Welcome to Center Ice. It is Friday, October 23rd, and it, of course, is the offseason. And although the offseason may be a bit different this year, there's still a whole lot of moves going on out there and a whole lot of exciting things to talk about. Mac, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good. How are you? How's I'm everybody good. doing? We are doing great, and we're super excited to have Lyle Richardson from Spectres Hockey joining us on the line this afternoon. Lyle, how are you doing? I'm just fine, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you to, you here as well. So let's jump right into the questions here. First off, who do you think are the early winners and losers of this a bit of an odd off season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well obviously i i would say the vegas golden knights off the bat would be uh among the uh, the winners uh getting uh alex uh Peterangelo, uh the top player uh, in the free agent market was uh a bit of a coup on their part especially considering how much uh limited cap space they had uh i'd even throw the buffalo sabers in there as well for pulling off the surprise of free agency and uh landing taylor hall for a one-year eight million dollar deal and uh the montreal canadians as well i think uh, the moves that they made during the off season they're a much better team now uh than they were uh coming into the uh, the off season bringing in guys like uh, like josh anderson and tyler Toffoli, shoring up their goaltending with jake allen and bringing in uh joel edmondson for uh on the blue line as well so in, in terms of uh winners i would definitely put them in in that category um, looking at the losers, uh, so far, I have to say, I, well, I go with the Arizona Coyotes because, uh, they, they lost uh, Taylor Hall, a guy that they gave up assets for during the season and, uh, they, they couldn't resign him. Um, so they would definitely go into that list. Uh, the Boston Bruins really haven't done very much. Uh, so I think that you could probably put them uh, into that uh, that loser category as well. I mean, it's not that they're going to be a horrible team by any stretch, but uh, yeah, they, they haven't really done very much to, to considerably improve themselves. And um, if I was going to look at a third one, I mean, yeah, you could probably look at the Chicago Blackhawks, I think, as well. Uh, they lost uh, Corey Crawford, who, uh, let's face it, he was the guy who, you know, during their brief little uh, playoff run there, I mean, he he helped them at least get over the uh, get over the Edmonton Oilers, and and losing him was a big blow. Um, having to trade away uh, Brandon Sod and another cost cutting deal that doesn't help matters either. So yeah, I, I would say they're probably in the losing category as they officially announced they are now rebuilding something they should have probably done three years ago. All right. Um, how do you feel specifically about the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens moves? Well, as it, yeah, well, as I mentioned earlier about the uh, the Canadians, uh, like I said, I, I like the moves that they made. Um, you know, as I said, I mean, you bring in a guy like Jake Allen, he's going to spell off uh, Carey Price because Price, you know, he's not a goaltender who, who now at this stage of his career who should be playing between 60 and 70 games a season. We saw in, in, in the playoffs this year, he does a lot better when he is has had, you know, plenty of rest when he's uh, hasn't been, you know, basically played into the ground during the regular season. So bringing in a guy like Jake Allen, a guy who could probably play 30, maybe even 40 games a season if you need him to. I think that was a great move. Uh, Edmondson, as I said, he brings in uh, some size and some, some grit and some depth on the left-hand side of their blue line that they were missing. 
uh, Josh Anderson coming in and uh, that trade with Mac for Max Domi. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the length of the contract they gave him. I'm, I don't mind the cap hit that, that they, they signed him to, but you know, for the length of time, that was a, a pretty hefty contract for a guy that just has one good season on his resume. That being said, if he turns into the power forward that he has shown the ability to be, uh, you know, at least in the short term, it could end up being a really good addition for them. And I really like bringing in Tyler Toffoli. This guy's, a, you know, he's a he's a proven uh, two way forward. Um, you know, he 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 showed during his brief period, even with uh, the Vancouver Canucks, that he can be a really good goal scorer. But he's a type of two way player that uh, Canadians post Claude Julien really likes. So I think overall, yeah, Montreal did did very very well uh, in this off season. Um, Looking at the Leafs, on the other hand, um, <laughs> the best I can say uh, looking at their moves is, well, at least they didn't make their team any worse. I don't think that they're significantly better with the moves they made. Um, you look at uh, what they sacrificed, they gave up, uh, you know, by trading away Casper uh, Kapanen and Andreas Janssen. I mean, you give up youth, you give up an affordable, um, you know, second and third line uh, forwards. Uh, yeah, you're bringing in guys uh, with with veteran experience and leadership like Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons. Now, if those moves had been made, say, three years ago and those players would still be significant contributors, I would say, yeah, absolutely. The Leafs have really improved. But I really don't see bringing in two guys who are past the prime uh, as, as really being a significant improvement. I mean, we I hear that Oh, well, it's, it, it, it has improved their leadership. It was all about leadership. Well, that's what they brought Patrick Marlowe in for. And that didn't seem to work out. And that's why part of the reason why they signed John Tavares. And that was the reason why they brought in uh, Jason Spezza and brought him back for this year was leadership. Well, at some point, you got to come to face the fact that leadership isn't your problem. It's the lack of skilled defense that you have. Uh, so yeah, I, I, again, I don't think the Leafs got any worse per se, but I don't think they're necessarily any better. You mentioned uh, off the top, how you consider Buffalo a winner this off season. I'd say the Taylor Hall move was one of the ones that surprised an awful lot of people this off season. Do you think this is a move where Taylor Hall did it solely on the dollar amount being asked, or do you see it as a move? for him going to Buffalo saying that this is a team with Darlene and Eichel that could potentially make some noise next year. Yeah. There, there's a bunch of uh, moving parts in there. I think, well, I mean, obviously look the one year deal, I mean, he's betting on himself that, you know, he, he goes to Buffalo lines up alongside a great center in Jack Eichel. He, he sees his, his point production go back up to 80, 90 points, and then he can go back into the market next season or next uh, summer rather, and try his luck again when perhaps the, uh, the free agent market might be better. Um, but, you know, he, he also, you have to remember, he played for Ralph Kruger uh, in Edmonton and he had a lot of respect for Ralph Kruger and Kruger went to bat for him there in Buffalo. So, you know, there is that aspect of it. Plus, he's also intrigued with the option of playing alongside of, of Jack Eichel. And, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, hey, I mean, if worse comes to worse, <clears throat> if it doesn't work out for him in Buffalo, other than maybe he pre- it increases his point value. Yeah, he goes to market next year and gets to sign with a playoff contender like we all expected he'd do this this year. 
But if if his addition actually improves the Sabers to where they make the playoffs next year, and he if he really enjoys playing alongside with Eichel and 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 playing for Ralph Kruger again, who can say maybe he turns around next year, signs a, a multi year deal with Buffalo, and and yeah, maybe maybe uh, that's the sign that that uh, things have turned around, but. Uh, you know, I I would say at, at the at the very least, you know, it's it's a one year thing. You go to Buffalo, give it a shot, see how it goes. And yeah, I would also say too that you know, team teams were willing to give him more years, but they I don't think they were willing to give him as much in one season per season as what he got with Buffalo. I think he was probably looking maybe at, in a good year he would have been looking at nine mil season, and I don't think that was out there. So he decided to take the one year and, you know, for probably the highest dollar amount, which is what Buffalo was offering. But like I said, there was a lot of moving parts in this one that uh, could actually make this whole thing uh, quite intriguing. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes it. Let's pivot to Patrick Lining and the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, we heard a lot of noise early in the offseason that potentially he was on the move. There was a certain asking price that needed to be met for him to be moved, but that hasn't happened yet. Now, what I want to know is what kind of suitors are there out there for line A in your mind? Yeah, um, you know, the, well, first of all, let's be honest. I mean, you know, Patrick Line A is a hell of a young hockey player, and he's a type of winger, you know, a sniper that every team would love to have. Um, and if he gets out on the trade market, uh, you know, obviously there would be a lot of interest in him. Uh, the problem, though, is coming up with the type of return that would justify that kind of trade for the Winnipeg Jets. And, and I don't think it's out there, to be quite honest. You, you make that move if it looks like there's no way, you know, if he, let's say he's going to say unrestricted free agency and you know you're not going to be able to resign him. So you're going to try and get the best return you can. Um, that's not the case here. I mean, Lina is a year away from becoming a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, but still a restricted free agent. So there's not really a big rush on Winnipeg's part to move him right now. But that being said, if you're Kevin Shovelday off the GM of the Jets, you want to see, you want to consider all your options to try and improve your club. Um, you know, they already took care of the second line center uh, issue by bringing back uh, Paul Stastny, at least for next season. But there's still some issues on that blue line that have to be addressed. And they need a, a top pairing right side blue liner to skate alongside Josh Morrissey. And, you know, if you're going to trade uh, Patrick Liney for that type of return, that better be one hell of a defenseman that you're going to get back to make it worthwhile. And if you look at trades involving superstars throughout NHL history, very rarely do you see a type of return that you could say, wow, both teams really did well in that, in that move. So, uh, I really don't think right now that that kind of trade is out there for Kevin Shevel Day off. Um, I do think as well, though, that this whole talk of trade, uh, <coughs> excuse me, trade uh, speculation about uh, line A, uh, I, I think it points to kind of a difficult or complicated relationship between the player and management. And I think where he sees himself on that team, because it's already been reported by his agents who said, you know, Hey, it may be to our mutual benefit. If, if our, if our guy gets traded, uh, he's not happy with the minutes that he's seeing in Winnipeg. He wants to be on that top line skating alongside Mark Shifley 
And I don't blame him. Who, who wouldn't want to be if you're a, a young goal scorer in his position? But he's been seeing just second, you know, second pairing minutes. And I thought bringing in Stassi, maybe that was going to, to bring that that whole uh, uh, line A trade rumor uh, talk to an end. But it didn't because he would rather be uh, skating on the first line than skating on the second line. That's where he sees himself. And unfortunately, uh, that doesn't seem to be where Paul Maurice and Kevin Shoveldayoff see him. And so maybe, you you know, maybe at some point this trade gets made. I don't know. But if, if it does, uh, I really think Winnipeg's going to be hard pressed to try and find a, a return that would be of equal or, dare I say, even greater value. Let's move t- uh, west a little bit and let's touch on the Calgary Flames because they've been very aggressive this offseason. They went out and got Jacob Markstrom. Many are praising that as a really good move. And I myself, as someone who follows the Flames fairly closely, am very happy with that move, particularly with how the goaltending situation in Calgary has been really since Mika Kippersoff hung up the uh, skates a few years ago. But do you think Calgary's not done yet? Do you think that they're going to do more? And of course, earlier when Calgary got eliminated, we heard rumors that one of or both of Goudreau or Monaghan could be moved. Do you still think that could be on the table in the future? Um, if, if you're talking about in the future being uh, either maybe next season's trade deadline or maybe next summer, uh, perhaps, I don't see that happening now. Um, I, I, I really think that, uh, you know, uh, Flames GM Brad Treleving, uh, he, he, you know, well, he did stick up for, for Johnny Goudreau, uh, you know, a couple of months ago uh, after, after they had been eliminated from the playoffs. Um, so I really don't think that he has any intention of moving those guys. I think any moves that he makes now is just going to kind of be, you know, sort of depth, you know, depth moves, shore things up a little bit. Uh, but in terms of making a blockbuster, like uh, trading Goudreau or, or trading Monaghan, I don't think those those deals are going to happen now. Uh, but that being said, it's going to be interesting to see how next season shakes out, because as I'm sure you know, there is, uh, a, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on this club now because uh, they, they've they've underachieved in the playoffs. And, you know, at, at, at this stage, you, you have to think that this should be a team that should be contending for the Stanley cup going into next year. And nobody's talking about the flames as a cup contender right now. Uh, bringing in Jacob Markstrom definitely helps. They had to improve their goaltending. There's no question about that. Uh, but um, I think that this season coming is going to be, could be a make or break in terms of, of one of those guys, either Gujo or, or Monaghan, because if there's no improvement, if, if they just, you know, go through the make the playoffs and get bounced in the first or the second round again you got to figure that okay it's time for a bigger shakeup. and with Goudreau being a year he'll be a year out from unrestricted free agent eligibility by that point it seems like he could be the most likely candidate but uh for right now no I don't see either of those guys getting moved in this offseason Speaking of Western Conference teams, I mean, what about the Vancouver Canucks? Here you have a situation where your team did really well and went on a pretty good run, and I feel like they just kind of ran out of gas as they ran into tougher opponents in the playoffs. But Jim Benning is certainly under fire right now after he let Tyler Toffoli go, Markstrom go, Tanev go, because he didn't have the money to sign them because of some bad cap management on the Canucks' part. 
Yeah. Um, well, it, well, in terms of letting uh, Markstrom go, I, I think that he kind of salvaged himself a bit there by by bringing in Braden Holtby. You know, I I I was was not upset with that move on his part. Now, you know, and I'm I'm not a Canucks fan when I say that, but I I don't think that was a bad move. I think that was a quick recovery. It showed that he had a plan B in his pocket right away. I I think if 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 he had been uh, if he didn't have uh, somebody like Holpe uh, as a backup to sign as quickly as he did, if he was still sitting here now and and the muse the goalie musical carousel had stopped. It, goalies that he could grab yeah this could be a a a problem but i like the move to bring in hopey i thought that was a good move i like the move to bring in nate schmidt as well um i think that was an improvement because we know they lost uh chris tanev and you know there was some some grumbling about that but uh, i think that he uh he, he offset that by bringing in nate schmidt um but yeah i mean that limited cap space i mean it certainly cost them tyler to foley uh, which was a shame because I thought he was a really good fit there. But, um, you know, they, they're not in that bad of a shape. Uh, if you look, because if you look at the goaltending, I mean, with Thatcher Demko there as well, um, I think you've, you've got uh, a pretty solid goaltending tandem there now. Um, the defense, uh, they, they could still use, uh, they could still use a, a seventh uh, defenseman in there now, but uh, I don't think it's, it's too, too bad. Uh, in that shape, I, I would like to see maybe a, a, another more experienced uh, sort of stay-at-home defender in the, in there as well, and perhaps they'll they'll get that. Uh, that's going to depend, obviously, of course, how much cap space they have left. Um, you know, especially if Michael Ferland, if he ends up going on uh, LTIR to start the season, well, that could give them some wiggle room there. Uh, but up front, though, overall. Uh, they're not in bad shape at all. I mean, how can you be, you know, with, with, when you, when you've got Elias Pettersson and, and Brock Besser and Bo Horvat and JT Miller and, and Tanner Pearson. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I think they're in pretty good shape that way. Um, you know, this, again, th- those guys and along with, with, with Quinn Hughes as well. I mean, these, these are young players that are just going to get better and better if they can just improve that defense. Um, you know, then I think they'll be uh, probably in, in much better shape uh, going into next season. But, uh, hey, getting that taste of the playoffs, I think, did them a world of good. And uh, that was a good part of their development. And, uh, yeah, I think they're, I think that uh, they're, they're going to be in good shape going forward next year. Again, losing to Foley, I think, out of all the guys they lost, I think that one smarts the most. But I think they've got the depth of talent that they can offset that. I'll wrap on the Canadian teams here by – Asking you about your thoughts on the potential uh, all-Canadian division. I know it's made a lot of rounds as of late, and it still is just a rumor, but there's some pretty good sources behind it with the Golden Knights owner mentioning that briefly. If the border is still closed and they go ahead with an all-Canadian division, how do you see things uh, shaping out with that? Well, I think it would be, uh, I think most Canadian hockey fans would enjoy it for a while. (laughs) <laughs> you know for for a while you'd enjoy it i mean you know yeah of course it, you know if if you're you know the one of the big complaints i mean i i live out you know here in uh in on prince edward island so we you know don't usually tend to get to see very as much of uh the western canadian teams like the canucks and the oilers and flames as as we would you know as we would like to um you know, especially live. I mean, I, I end up recording the games because a lot of those games are on after my bedtime. So <laughs> you know, I'll put them on first thing in the morning while I'm uh, doing work updating my site. But, 
yeah, it, it would be nice to see more of those uh, more often. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think the novelty of, of uh, all Canadian teams playing each other, it would be fun for a while. But I think once you get a, a couple of months of that, I think we'd all start, uh, Canadian hockey fans, I think we'd all start going, oh, God, I'd love to see Montreal and Boston play just once. Jeez, you know. Or, oh, man, can't we get Toronto and Detroit or, or, or Winnipeg and Minnesota? Or, you know, I, I just think after a while we'd, we'd start getting tired of, of, of seeing the same matchup over and over and over and over. And, and we'd start yearning for, uh, for those, uh, so, you know, at least for maybe some of the northern U.S. teams to maybe be allowed to come across the border uh, and play. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's all going to shake out. There, there's still a, a long way to go here. Uh, until the league uh, opens up in February, because I believe that's when they'll start up uh, the regular season. It'll be sometime in February at the earliest. So maybe, hopefully, God willing, uh, things will, will be progressed far enough here, maybe with this pandemic, that uh, maybe we won't need to see a Canadian division, or if we do, we won't have to see it for very long. Well, I think that's what we're all hoping for. I think we'd all like to be able to go uh, watch a game as well. These are the things we are longing mm-hmm. for. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will uh, shift things to the south of the border. You mentioned uh, Vegas as a winner off the top and Mm -hmm. signing Petrangelo. How do you see Vegas going forward after signing Alex Petrangelo? Because they are pretty close to the cap. Of course, they had to move Nate Schmidt to become cap compliance. Do you still think there's the potential for them trading a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury to free up some cap? How do you see Vegas progressing from here? I, I think pretty much what we see with Vegas is what we're, is what we're going to get. Uh, you know, bringing Peter Angelo, that was their, their, their big move um, this offseason. I think they really see him as the missing piece. And I, I think looking ahead here, going forward, that they'll be, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be rather content with, with the lineup they have. I mean, if, if they need to, uh, to shed a bit of salary, uh, you can always stick a guy in the minors or you can maybe make a minor trade there somewhere. Um, in terms of uh, their goaltending there with Fleury and Leonard, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, you got 12 million bucks tied up in two goalies. That's a lot. And, and Fleury could end up being a very expensive backup for them. Uh, so maybe at some point during the season, if there's a team that is in dire need of some goaltending help, and if they're, if the Golden Knights are well settled in, uh, with with uh, with Leonard, then uh, okay, maybe Flurry gets moved maybe before the trade deadline, but I think that you'd probably see the Golden Knights might have to pick up maybe a couple of mil of that cap hit of hits in order to make it work. Uh, but otherwise, uh, in terms of any other significant moves for the off season, I think they're they're pretty much done. Um, what we're going to see out of them is is what we'll get, and what we're going to see and get out of them. Uh, Peter Angelo fits in as well as they hope is a team that goes into uh, next season as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, that's a great answer. And I wanted to focus on a couple teams that have been really kind of inactive. The Boston Bruins specifically, they've really only picked up Craig Smith. They haven't done a whole lot. And also the Carolina Hurricanes. They've signed Jesper Fast and a few other kind of two-way contracts but really not much activity from both of those teams a little surprising 
Yeah, yeah. And well, I mean, obviously, I think just to the to the to the hurricanes very quickly, I think it's much more to do with with cap limitations than it does with the Bruins. I mean, the Bruins, yeah, they they have, uh, you know, the cap's a bit tight for them as well, but they're much more willing to spend toward it, I believe, uh, than the hurricanes are. And I mean, the hurricanes have already, you know, invested a big chunk. I mean, they're looking at it, but I'm taking a quick look now, cap friendly. They've only got about 4.3 mil in cap space left. Um, so, yeah, and they still got a couple of guys left to sign, Warren Fogel and, uh, and Hayden Fleury. So, yeah, they're, I think right now they're just going to wait out on, on those two, and I think that's probably going to be it for them. Um, with, the, with the Bruins, I mean, yeah, they just have Jake DeBrusque left to sign. Um, you know, and then after that, I, you know, I, I, maybe, you know, Zidane Ochera, and it's hard for me to believe that I'm saying maybe on Zidane Ochera, but right now, apparently, I guess that's that's no longer a certainty or a guarantee that he'll come back. I think at the end of the day, he still will, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to hear this, you know, kind of sort of, uh, well, you know, the balls in Zidane's court, according to uh, Don Sweeney, their general manager, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. But yeah, um, but neither club, though, you're right, really did very much to significantly improve themselves. And I think with the Bruins, I think, you know, maybe the feeling sort of is, is that, OK, look, the team we were in the regular season is who we really are, not the team that that uh, had that three and a half month gap that kind of. Uh, you know, took away our mojo. And then just as things are getting going, we lose our best goaltender, uh, you know, who had to leave the bubble because of a family emergency. So I, I think what we're seeing here is that uh, Don Sweeney and company, I think that they're going to, they're going to stick with this group, this core for, for one more go around, maybe see how things go during the regular season and see what they can uh, shore up from there. Uh, with the hurricanes, I really think they needed to improve their goaltending, but with with their cap constraints they they just couldn't so you know they're going to stick with with Reimer and Rajek because you know hey they're affordable <laughs> you know <laughs> they're affordable uh and they're not horrible they're they're really not horrible they'll they'll they've proven they can get you to the playoffs but they're not going to get you very deep into the playoffs so um yeah I, I i you know i think they're just gonna stick with that for now and and how they offset losing uh you know justin williams i mean yeah they played over half of last season without him and and that's fine but uh there there may be a need at some point you know before the trade deadline maybe to look at bringing in somebody kind of comparable but um yeah um Still, nevertheless, I mean, you know, this is a case for both clubs where they, they didn't make themselves any worse. So, I mean, the Hurricanes are still a rising, I think, a rising force in the East. And, and the Bruins, I would still include them as a cup contender because I don't think you can take them, take them lightly. So, Yeah, absolutely. Let's shift to the Stanley Cup champions here, Tampa Bay Lightning. We've heard, we heard some rumors early in the offseason that they might – make some big moves over the offseason, including potentially dealing Steven Stamkos. Do you think that's still something that Tampa might do over this offseason? Or do you think that these rumors have died down and Tampa is going to stay pat with where they are for now? Uh, the rumors, well, the, the reason why we haven't heard very much more about this in the rumors is because everything's kind of in a holding pattern here. 
Um, everybody knows what the Lightning need to do, and that's they have to shed salary in order to resign Anthony Sorelli and uh, you know Mikhail Sergachev and Eric Chernak. They they know that they that that's what the that's what their priority is. But you know, right now there's not a lot of teams that have a lot of cap space that are willing to help them out. And every GM knows what their situation is. That listen, there's interest in in guys like Tyler Johnson, who they they tried to move by putting on waivers, but of course nobody picked him up. There's interest in a guy like Alex Kalorn, even though apparently uh, the the Lightning would prefer not to trade him. But if worse came to worse, push came to shove, yeah, they would to free up cap space. There's interest in a guy like Yanni Gord. The problem is is that the teams that would be willing to take one of those guys off their hands, they would like a sweetener included in the deal. Okay. They know that the, the lightning can't retain any salary in the deal. So they're saying, Hey, look, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll take this guy back and we'll send you a draft pick, but we want you to include a first round pick or, uh, you know, a second round pick or a top prospect, that sort of thing. And right now, that's that's not the kind of thing that uh, the Lightning really want to do. So everything's just kind of in a holding pattern. Uh, this could be one of those things that stretches on until we get into the preseason, because, you know, we've see, kind of seen this sort of thing happen in recent years where there's a whole bunch of rumors about a, a team needing to shed salary and about a player that could be moved. And the first two weeks, we're expecting a trade. And then it doesn't happen. And it all goes quiet for the, the offseason. And then we get into the preseason and bang, that's when the move happens. So I think that's probably the situation we're going to be looking at there. Unless somebody signs either Shirelli or Sergachev to a big offer sheet. If that should happen, then you're going to see things happen pretty quickly. But if that doesn't happen, this could be something that stays unresolved until we hit preseason. Speaking of offer sheets, I mean, we just don't see a lot of those in the NHL. And compared to other sports like the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, there's just not a whole lot of player movement. Would you welcome more offer sheets and more player movement just to make things a little more interesting in the NHL? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think we all would. I mean, just look at the brief bit of excitement we had that, you know, last year when the Canadians made that half-hearted effort to sign Sebastian Ajo uh, from the Carolina Hurricanes. At first, we were all stunned by that because it was like, good God, we haven't seen an offer sheet in, in God, I think it had been seven years at that point. Uh, and then, of course, it was very quickly matched and we were all like, oh. <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah i mean it, it it would be great if you did see that sort of thing happen but but there's there's a there's a twofold thing here going on and i think one is obviously most general managers don't want to go that route because you know the old saying of what goes around comes around it's like oh you target my guy sign away my guy okay we'll just file that away and then, you know, two, three years down the road, inevitably a player, you know, uh, a, a top player on that team then ends up becoming a, a restricted free agent and they, they get signed away to a big offer sheet. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, I, I really think that there's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's collusion because people call it collusion. I've heard, I don't think it's collusion. I don't think there's any mass major plan here to stop offer sheets from happening among general managers. I just think it's kind of a, an unspoken or, or, you know, sort of a gentleman's agreement that they're not going to go that route. 
But the other thing too, you have to consider, and this doesn't get talked about very much is, you know, the player has to sign the off sheet. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's not like a general manager goes, ha ha, I have sent an offer sheet to this player. Ha ha, I'm going to sign him away. The whole part here is the player has to sign it. They have to agree to sign it. And a lot of restricted free agents, they're not interested in that. They're In most cases, they're happy with the team they're with. They know that they're going to get some good money here. You know, they're they're willing to stay and, and they're willing to do that. So in a lot of cases, players aren't interested in offer sheets. You know, uh, it, it doesn't mean that teams haven't, they have that over the years that there haven't been any teams reaching out to some, to some restricted free agents, uh, because apparently there have been, but it gets very quickly slapped down. They talk to a guy's agent, say, hey, do you, is this guy going to be interested in offer sheet? And no, no interest. He wants to stay here. Oh, okay. So uh, with the Ajo thing last year, it wasn't that Ajo wanted to leave Carolina. It's just Carolina was lowballing him in negotiations. You know, and, you know, Montreal took a gamble to see, okay, uh, you know, how tight are they with their money? Uh, let's throw eight mil a season at him and see if that gets him, uh, you know. So in Ajo's case, it was just something for leverage that actually worked to his advantage because, you know, the Hurricanes weren't going to let him go. But I think it's those two factors are, are why you're not seeing offer sheets. And the other thing you got to consider right now is there's so many teams that have so little cap space right now. It's possible that a, a team could, could sign a guy to an offer sheet, but uh, given the economic climate right now, I think it's really unlikely. Well, the New York Rangers had themselves a pretty good offseason, even though they weren't very active in free agency. Of course, they some could say they won the offseason when they won the draft lottery. Uh, how do you feel about the New York Rangers? Of course, it's really early. How do you feel about them going into next season with Alexi Lafreniere, Artemi Panarin, and Mika Zibanejad? Oh, they're well. They're they're sitting in a great position here. Let's be honest. I mean, last season uh, was was uh, the second full season of their rebuild, and you know, even even you know, before the the uh, the season got derailed by COVID nineteen, they had made significant improvement. I mean, they were jockeying for a playoff spot. They were only two points out of a playoff spot uh, when the season had to be shut down. So, you know, yeah, they made it into the return to play, obviously, but, uh, and, and they get very quickly beaten by the, uh, by the Hurricanes. But last season was a season of uh, considerable excitement for Rangers fans. It was quite palpable. You could feel it, that this was a team that was heading in the right direction very, very quickly. And you look at, like I said, all the young guys that they've got in there now. I mean, yes, they won the draft lottery. Sure, that worked out for them. But even, even before they, they got Lafreniere, I mean, you know, you look at the guys that they had in there, like with, with you know, Igor Shesterkin and goal. Uh, on defense, you got uh, Tony D'Angelo. You got Adam Fox, which was a steal. I mean, I'm surprised more people don't talk about what a terrific defenseman he is. Uh, just fantastic. Uh, they had Capo Caco, uh, their draft pick the previous year. I mean, okay, he didn't have a superstar debut, but he didn't look out of place either. And he's a kid that's only going to get better. Um, and then you look at the guys that, you know, I mean, getting Artemi Panarin via free agency last year and, you know, the the, the kind of heart-worthy season that he had and then Mika Zabinajad having a career year as well. 
so everything seems to be trending in the right direction for them uh, as a rebuilding club. So I don't see them as a Stanley Cup contender yet by any stretch, but I I would put them as a playoff contender for for this season coming. I think they're 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 going to be right into the thick of it. All right. I think we have one last question for you here. And this is a tough one for me, at least. Who do you feel is the best player in the league? Is it still Connor McDavid? Or do you think a guy like Nathan McKinnon is, is really starting to make some noise as potentially the best player? You know, that really is a tough one. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, because uh, Connor McDavid is, is just a fantastic player, but yeah, Nathan McKinnon in the last, three years i mean he has just surged to the top uh with his performance and quite honestly and no disrespect uh you know but i really think that he should have won the heart trophy last year because you look at you know mckinnon put that team on his back uh you know you had so many of his guys i mean there were there were long stretches there where he was playing with his regular line mates and, you know, Landeskog and, and, and Mika Rantanen were both injured. Uh, other players, they had other players who were sidelined for a while. And, you know, that could have put their, if, if not knocked them out of playoff contention, it should have at least, for any other team, would have put them down, maybe down toward uh, wildcard, you know, area. And McKinnon just refused to let that happen, <laughs> you know. And so they finished, I believe they were second overall in the Western Conference uh, yeah. when the regular season ended. And I think that that was deserving of, of a Hart Trophy uh, win. I mean, I know he got the nomination. I, I think he should have gotten it myself. But again, uh, right now, I would say going into the season, it's it's a toss-up. I, 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 I would have a hard time choosing between McDavid and McKinnon right now. Well, that's very interesting. And that'll certainly spark some conversations among our listeners, to say the least, uh, both Mac and I have had that conversation between McKinnon and, Mc and McDavid many times, and it's certainly not going to be one that's going to end anytime soon, but that's all the time we have today. So thank you, Lyle, for joining us. Uh, this was an awful lot of fun, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. I look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. That is Center Ice for today. Of course, you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. Center Ice is brought to you by the National Podcast Network. We will be looking at getting another episode out sometime before the offseason ends, of course. And for Mac, this is Matt signing off. Enjoy the games, everyone.